Welcome to episode 21 of Health Unchained. In this episode, I speak with the founder and CEO of Patientory. Patientory is one of the first blockchain-based healthcare companies. It was founded in 2015 and raised $7.2 million in 2017 via an initial coin offering, or ICO. We talked about what it means to empower patients and have them own their own medical data. And how do you do this via blockchain technology? So, admittedly, Chris uh, doesn't emphasize the word blockchain when speaking to healthcare executives because it tends to dissuade them. But um, I think we had a really great conversation, and I hope you all enjoy it. Remember to join the Health Unchained community on Telegram. That's t.me slash healthunchained. Hit me up on Twitter or LinkedIn. I'd also like you to know if that you are a healthcare professional, either a provider or payer or administrator or anyone who's really still trying to understand blockchain and healthcare specifically, you should check out a new online Udemy course meant to teach non-technical people about blockchain's implications on healthcare. The course includes 14 video lectures and sections on cryptography, consensus mechanisms, and smart contracts, and how they apply to the healthcare industry. The course is $200, but you can get it for $75 if you use promo code HEALTHUNCHAINED. That's one word, Health Unchained. You can find the link in the show notes or search for blockchain and healthcare on udemy.com. It should be one of the first results, and it was created by Jacob Dreyer from Simply Vital Health. Hi, I'm your host, Ray Dogum, and welcome to Health Unchained. On this show, I'll be speaking with healthcare entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and executives who are using blockchain technologies to revolutionize healthcare. These innovators are building the distributed infrastructure and diverse communities required for a trusted, secure, and decentralized healthcare ecosystem. Enjoy the show. What is blockchain? blockchain. What is blockchain? The doctor will see you now. This is Health Unchained, and today's guest is Krissa McFarlane. She's founder and CEO of Patientory, which is a peer-to-peer EMR storage network. And EMR, as we all know, is the electronic medical record. Krissa, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Ray. And Patientory was one of the first healthcare blockchain companies that was actually was introduced into the market. So Patientory was founded in 2015. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, how you got into healthcare and then how you learned about blockchain and why you started the company? Absolutely, Ray. Um, You know, growing up, my passion was to become a physician. I wanted to be a surgeon. So, you know, that was my goal. Um, Was really interested in math and science. Went to a, you know, specialized science high school where I was, you know, actively involved in research um, up in New York City, you know, I did, did pre-med, did everything. Uh, my family, they're actually immigrants from Jamaica, and they also had, you know, run businesses and restaurants in New York that I was a part of. Um, and I was always fascinated with the entrepreneurship, um, you know, aspect of business and, and life. So before, you know, going to med school, I decided to, you know, go to business school and learn more. Um, and then I actually was reached out 
um, after pursuing business school consultant for like health IT companies, um, you know, nonprofits, uh, an alumna from Cornell reached out to me. They, they were a telemedicine company, one of the pretty early telemedicine companies in the space that was pretty successful in raising venture capital. Um, they had like pretty high profile um, celebrities that had, you know, invested in them pretty early on. Um, and they wanted me to help run their insurance practice for their telemedicine company. And that company um, was Sherpa, right? Yeah, yeah. So I did that for, you know, um, a little over a year. And the biggest challenge I saw was just, you know, how unempowered patients were. You know, I was helping patients navigate the complex healthcare system um, here in the United States. And a lot of them were just beat up by, by the industry. So, you know, with my passion for just, you know, helping people and, and healthcare, um, I decided to start a company, um, you know, after being in the, the digital healthcare startup space that solved this issue. So how can we create more empowered patients? And one of the core problems was just access to in their own information. You know, in order right. to successfully help them, these patients didn't even couldn't even get a hold of their, you know, medical records. You know, they were waiting, you know, some came, they 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 it took them like six months to actually get get a hold of it. And it's probably so just the, pieces of it too, and it's not yeah, the thing. Yeah, and I was just like, That's so absurd. I mean, you have access to your banking information, you know, your personal information, but you don't have something as personal as your health information. Um, so with the researcher in me, you know, and, you know, started to kind of research the problem more, came across different technologies, blockchain being one of them, uh, back in 2014, early 2015, and decided to merge the two together. So, you know, even before I start, came up with the name Patient Horror, you know, it was this concept of how can we build more empowered patients um, in the healthcare industry? So, you know, applied to an accelerator late 2015, um, and it was actually good, t perfect timing. So Boomtown Health Tech, they had just announced it that November that they were going to partner with Colorado Permanente Medical Group. Hmm. Um, so out of like, they received over like 600 applications. So we were one of the four companies to be accepted to that program. Um, and we did that for about four months, you know, went through the whole 12 week cycle, you know, validated our business model, met with investors and, you know, customers, um, product market fit, which was great. It was a great experience. I think anyone who starts a company should definitely go through an incubator accelerator. You have like 500 startups, Y Combinator, you name it, because they really, you know, are able to put your business through through the fire and test its validity in the market. Um, so since then, we've been just building and patient toward. It's definitely a complex space, um, a complex business, um, but it's it's been worthwhile. Absolutely, and I can imagine 2014 and 15, it must have been even more difficult to convince people about blockchain technology and how yeah, it's actually no going to become <laughs> useful. Or, um, right, and you know, how were you able to explain blockchain in a way that made people more confident in your company? Yeah, you know what? I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so did anybody who did? 
Oh, is it still I mean, an ongoing it was, process? It was more like a word that went over people's head. I remember doing a pitch competition in 2016. Right. And, you know, I was explaining the problem. I was explaining, you know, you know, imagine having your, your health data at your fingertips. And I only said blockchain once, and my pitch was like five minutes. I see. Okay. <laughs> I understand. And no one caught it. No one caught it. Well, like one of the main features of your company or many blockchain organizations is this peer-to-peer mm-hmm. aspect of the company. Mm-hmm. So how important is the peer-to-peer aspect of your company? And what does that really mean? Yeah. So if you, our company is actually split into two um, different organizations. So I know we mentioned peer-to-peer EMR. Um, which that uses the blockchain, which of course is administered by, we have a nonprofit association because essentially the data isn't owned by us as a company. It's not owned by anyone. You know, it's, it's the rights of the actual individuals who produce that information. So when you think of peer-to-peer, you know, from our for-profit entity, we're able to basically integrate what we know now as the electronic medical record systems um, onto this blockchain network to be able to, you know, some may call it interoperability, but to be able to not only access the information, but to share it cross-functionally across different siloed database systems. So when you say, you know, the data is owned by the person, um, where is the data being stored? Is it being stored on the cloud? Because I noticed that um, I had access, and thank you, by the way, for giving me access to the beta version on iOS. Okay. Great. Um, so I was playing around with the app, and I had the option to buy more space mm-hmm. so I can have more space to upload my medical information. So yeah. where is that data being stored? Um, via storage providers. Okay. So if you actually go to ptoy.org, that's the association, You know, we invite healthcare institutions, but also the general public to serve as nodes on that network. Okay. So anybody can join that or is it a private? It's a private permission blockchain. So essentially anyone can join, but within the realms of the network, they would have to, you know, provide consensus to add you to that network. So there is an approver basically that says, okay, this person has given enough information where we can trust them. Correct. And they've met the... They, they, yeah, they've met the criteria to be able to function as a node. What is the, uh, like, generally speaking, the criteria? Is that something an individual can do, or is this usually, like, organizations? It's both. It's okay. both. Interesting. Yeah. So you can actually go through that process. Um, I believe ptoy.org slash registration, you can sign up as a storage provider. It's pretty cool because it's, 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 it plays with this notion of, you know, distributed storage. Um for healthcare. Okay. I actually had a question from one of my listeners who was um, curious to know, how does the app interact with hospital systems to get uh, provider-produced patient records? So the distributed app is split into the consumer, the consumer mobile app, which consumers use right now to gain, to gain not only their health data, but patient-generated data. And then we have our web portal for hospitals so um, our web portal integrates with the hospital EMR to be able to provide that information to the consumer. 
So right now, uh, which EMRs are integrated? Do you Epic? Well, we or, can or we it... can do integrations into the four major EMRs right okay. now. So yeah, the goal is you know eventually you know long term all hospitals similar to like you know the law that was passed a couple of years ago that they needed to be an EMR system. Hopefully, you know they would need to be on a blockchain system to make it much more easier. I see, and, I, and then I, you know, then then that's all about scalability and growth and all that stuff that we can discuss later. Okay, yeah, yeah. Integration projects uh, with EMRs, it's they're not simple tasks, and each health system has their own setup, so it's very customized and exactly. Uh, it takes exactly. time. It's called it's like the Salesforce of blockchain. We like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing you mentioned is that you know. Patientory does not own the data. So one of the questions from my listeners was, what happens if Patientory no longer exists? Where does the data go? If we no longer exist, so we don't own it. So that, it belongs to the network, right? So let's say we disappeared, but the blockchain was still running. Essentially, it's we, it's a, the network is a consortium of organizations that run and manage the nodes. Um, which doesn't, they don't need us to be able to, to be able to, to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, if we don't exist, the network still there exists. Whoever, um, provides the consensus is generally, you know, the network, um, is the one that controls the, not the data that's stored, but just the, the blockchain network. Okay. So. Let's say that happens, and um, will there be any way for those nodes to potentially upgrade the software and make it better, or is it are they kind of stuck with the most recent released version? Yeah, it is an open source um, okay. code, so they they are able, they within themselves they govern themselves to be able to make those decisions. And that's an important thing in blockchain. It seems that open source is kind of yeah. basically the most common way to way to go exactly so many changes you know rapid at a fast pace as well so for sure um can you talk a little bit about the architecture of uh the ptoy network so like for example how does the encryption work yeah i mean it isn't you know it's it's all the encryption happens within the network by the, the patients or i would say consumers um, and the customer's private key. Um, so, and again, based on the consortia, they're the ones who kind of are able to make the shots on, you know, let's change our, encry our encryption um, mechanism. But we do have one in place that is, you know, basically decrypted by the user's private key. And that's an interesting topic too, private keys. And I wonder, like, you know, thinking about private keys now, it's basically, a, you know, 12 words usually or 16 words or something like that, depending mm -hmm. on which protocol you're talking about. Um, how do you envision the future of managing private keys? I mean, I, you know, just going to conferences, you see a lot of startups, a lot of new companies pop up. They're like, we can store your private keys. <laughs> Yeah. And and it's great. I mean, you know, there's there's a, a problem to be solved for for everything. But yeah, and, and that's the question, you know, um, 
what does that storage look like? And I think with the increased adoption of blockchain, we're going to see more innovative solutions. From my perspective, the ideal for me, the ideal storage of private keys is with the with the individual. Um, right, but there's like it, many you know potential issues, especially in healthcare, where a patient or a person yeah. might not be physically able to provide their private key. So for me, That's I've always thought true. of like some sort of hardware embedded in your body or something to act as a I was thinking key. of that too and I, I didn't want to say it but yeah you basically said it because it's and I this goes to like I don't know if you, you've seen the current Walmart patent that they have you know emergency response and looking at RFID because as you said a person might be They're unconscious or unconscious yeah. and they just can't use their private key um, so whether that belongs in their body Maybe. Some combination of yeah, hmm. it's a huge potential uh, opportunity for new startups, and I'm sure people are working on it and yeah, really excited absolutely. for that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing space. It is, it is, and constantly growing and changing. Yeah, yeah. and so you mentioned that uh, Patientory Network is a permission blockchain. Yes, and it's a fork of the Ethereum blockchain. Correct. What's your opinion now on the newer uh, blockchain foundational networks like, um, you know, NEO or EOS or all these new protocols? I mean, my opinion is, you know, they were definitely flashy. They they came up pretty strong. I mean, EOS would raise how many billions yeah. compared to Ethereum back in 2014 that raised like what? 10 million, <laughs> 12 million. Um, so they definitely have great marketing skills. But long-term vision, I think that that's where it all boils down. And then they say, yeah, we make it easier to, you know, build, you know, apps and smart contracts. But the execution is, is, is the most important part. So I can say Ethereum has a pretty strong community, developer community, but they're also pretty strong. Um, business-wise and in, in their approach to gain adoption. Hmm. Well, I can't really say that for any of the new ones. I mean, it's still pretty new, so they're, you know, it's probably still pretty fresh. You know, it hasn't been a year. Um, I, I don't think it has been a year. But I think with these new protocols, um, they might be good, you know, for what it is, but if you look at our history of just businesses, it's really not the best technology that normally, you know, gets adopted. Um, so that's something to definitely think about. Yeah, I think in the blockchain space, the network effects are even more important than traditional companies, traditional yeah. platform companies, simply mm -hmm. because there's a financial aspect to it, like yeah. embedded within it. So, you know, each token has certain value and that can change mm -hmm. over time and uh, people have become mm -hmm. invested in it. So and as the community grows and, you know, the tokens are distributed, people don't want to change necessarily. Exactly. Their, their exactly. It's a, it's a switch in cost, right? So mm -hmm. it's like you think about what's the cost of me switching from, you know, a token to B token. Right. But it's only been a few years, too. So there's anything is possible. You can have just a whole new set of companies start building out in a different platform. Or there might be a new platform that we haven't even heard of yet that might become the yeah. main chain. 
<laughs> exactly. Or well, if a government might be like, oh, we want to use this platform, and that just changes everything. Right. Regulation yeah. does play Regulation. a huge factor. Yeah. In and what's your experience been like navigating the regulatory environment? Oh, man. it's. I think that's our biggest hurdle. Okay. Uh, especially starting so early, you know? Yeah. It was like, how can we best cushion ourselves for you know the unexpected um especially because we did a token sale as well so that was even the first one um to think about especially when you look at the current events in the news and, and how the sec is sub giving out subpoenas so um i actually just I recently saw an article i think some uh, yeah. lawmakers are trying to uh push a law that would make cryptocurrencies not securities basically are not liable to um securities law interesting so it, it i mean it changes with the weather yeah <laughs> right right and the market changes with the weather too right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but i think just you know it's also been a struggle to find the right sound counsel but i mean that's that's the you know the risk of, of any new business especially in, in an emerging technology um, and it's just being able to have that foresight, um, you know, to continue. So what's been like the most, um, surprising thing while you were talking to lawmakers or while they were challenging you, it, was it probably something during the ICO? Um, it wasn't the ICO actually. The most surprising thing for me, what has been, is, is just how, U.S. regulation is trying to police the global, you know, market. That's been pretty interesting. I've never, never really seen that, you know, and been so close to it. So I think that's actually the most, you know, surprising to me. Where you have people in France saying, we have to be SEC compliant. <laughs> and I've heard startups say that. It's been pretty interesting. Well, there's been a migration of some startups moving overseas simply because they can or they're trying to avoid um u.s regulations but you go overseas and these same lawyers they're still you know following u.s regulatory law so we're the global standard at the, at the <laughs> well that's good <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about who is involved in the actual network so in the healthcare system you have tons of stakeholders number one is the patient you have providers, we have payers, so all the health insurance plans mm -hmm. and companies. The pharmaceutical industry plays a big role, as well as the research and medical device field. So right now, um, my understanding of your platform is that the patients will be the primary stakeholder because they're the ones that are putting their information out there and retrieving it from EMRs from hospitals. Um, so how do you envision the other stakeholders be participating? Yeah, I mean, they part, it, it's it's like a, a, a jigsaw puzzle. Um, our enterprise solutions cater to the problems that each of these um, aspects of the industry are currently facing. So, but it's, 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 it's based on the data that's captured, you know, by this network. So we see that, you know, looking at, you know, big data analytics and, and the future of, of big data and healthcare, 
to really be the fuel for how we're going to be able to cut costs um, for these stakeholders. So can you give me like a few examples or use cases for um, like, let's think about payers and, you know, the complications and costs involved in claims processing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think payers are, you know, they're really leading the charge in this because it's they've they're actually more ahead in adopting like, you know, the value based um, care initiative that you see a lot of the startups are are focusing on. Um, so for payers, the fact that you mentioned um, claim processing, the fact that they are able to use a blockchain for this supply chain management, you know, and really and to track their customers or, you know, the patients, um, they, can, they have a really great business model to be able to start reimbursing, you know, patients based on whether they're getting healthier. Um, and for them, that's driving, you know, value outcomes. So, you know, a lot of people talk about smart contracts and being able to, for example, instead of relying on manual claims, papers and forms, just to, if a certain medical service was provided and under the contract, it should be reimbursed the provider will immediately get reimbursed because the smart contract will execute itself and you know, mm-hmm. they'll get paid and, and it'll directly from the insurer and partially from the, the patient as well. If there's a copay, for example, are you, is that part of your enterprise or are you focusing more on patient side? Um, for the enterprise, that's part of the enterprise, but it's how the patient fits into that into that workflow process. So again, you see the patient at, as the center of the ecosystem. That's going to drive a lot of the current activities that are already happen, happening within these different sects of the industry. Um, but then again, you know, again, it's it's based on that data. So it's, it's easier, faster. You mentioned smart co- contracts, uh, processing um, to, to the, the information and the data. Who are some of your uh, initial enterprise pilot projects with? So we are, we don't launch until 2019 okay. uh, with enterprise. Uh, so we look forward to, other than the research we've done with through our accelerator, we look forward to, you know, starting that in the next couple of weeks. In the new year, yeah. Yeah, so This exciting. is actually my the f- final episode of the 2018, so... Yeah, that was a it was a rocky ride. Some may say 2018 was the end of ICOs. I don't know or token sales. <laughs> right. Well, people are talking a lot about security uh, token offerings. Um, yeah. So we'll yeah. see how that plays out in the months and the years to come. Mm-hmm. Do you think the recent bear market has affected your company's operations or? I mean, it has brought us back down to earth, I would say. Um, so I think, you know, that was good. But other than that, it hasn't significantly affected our our operations. It just made us, you know, be, you know, continue to work lean. Um, because, you know, you can get distracted with all the hype. 
you know, an, an overhire, you know, and you're really not getting any work done. But actually running a lean startup is, I, I have experiences as, you know, the most efficient way to go. Absolutely. It's not an easy task, but um, if you're up for it, it's, a, I'm sure, a lot of um, fun and you learn a lot really quickly. So you can yes. force into it. Exactly. exactly. How, how big is your core team now? And, you know, where do you find developers? Yeah, that was our hardest part. I think the first six months after, you know, we decided because we started out just working on this front end solution before, you know, working on the blockchain. Um, and really, we had people join us that said they knew blockchain, but really didn't. Our T core team now is about, we're still pretty small. It's about five of us, but we have like 11 developers all over the world. Oh. <laughs> and so it's been a challenge. Um, all of our developers are outside of the United States. Are they um, scattered? All over the globe, or are they in like in a specific country? Mostly Asia, but yeah, they're pretty much all over. I see. Um, well, that's interesting. I actually recently saw. I think you had a new CTO join your team. Uh, yes, Mandar yeah. Joshi. I think he's from. He was at McKesson for ten years. He was. He was. He actually started out um, with McKesson in India and moved to Atlanta. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's a yeah. good move. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty big move. Welcome to the Health Unchained News Corner. The biggest story in the past couple of weeks is McKesson's Change Healthcare's acquisition of Pocketdoc. Pocketdoc was founded in 2011 and provides its customers with platform-as-a-service solutions, including identity, benefits, and claims management. PocketDoc solutions run on a blockchain called DocChain and is governed by the DocChain Health Alliance. This recent acquisition by Change Healthcare is for PocketDoc's intellectual property and other key assets. Change Healthcare plans to integrate key PocketDoc APIs into the Change Healthcare Intelligent Healthcare Network, which will add new capabilities for digital health, telemedicine, and other new disruptive care models that support value-based patient-centric healthcare. The Change Healthcare Intelligent Healthcare Network reaches approximately 2,200 government and commercial payer connections, 5,500 hospitals, 900,000 physicians, and 33,000 pharmacies. In the company's fiscal year, which ended March 31, 2018, it facilitated nearly 14 billion healthcare transactions and $1 trillion in annual healthcare expenditures. Personally, I think this is a huge uh, development, and I'm really curious to see what Change Healthcare will be doing with PocketDoc's assets as a top healthcare clearinghouse, Change Healthcare facilitates the many connections that are required for providers, payers, and patients to transact with each other. In their press release, Chris Joshi, Change Healthcare's Executive Vice President and President of Network Solutions, 
stated, This acquisition is about practical innovation to create a more connected, transparent, and efficient healthcare system where patients control their own information. As the leader in blockchain for healthcare, and with one of the most extensive open API marketplaces available, with Pocketdoc, we are bringing together synergistic assets and technical expertise for delivering additional capabilities to our customers and accelerated value to digital health markets. And now back to the show with Krista McFarlane from Patientory. Yeah, there was one question actually here that I had just um, going back a little bit to the technology part of things. I read in your white paper, it said the the loss of a key is not a catastrophic event, so referring to private keys. Mm-hmm. And due to the ability to administratively strip a controlling contract's access control from one key and grant it to another, basically if, if I lost my key and I want to get my information back, um, it is possible to administratively do that, it sounds like, through your... Well, yeah, so you you know, you generate a key with your mnemonic phrase. Mm-hmm. So it all boils down to retaining the mnemonic phrase. Oh, so if the mnemonic phrase was destroyed or lost or forgotten, then I wouldn't be able to actually Correct. create a new key Correct. associated with that. Okay, that makes more sense. So how do you... Envision right now. I know it's still early on, but like I'm sure you've been asked this a thousand times. So what yeah. is your, or can you explain your business model? Yeah. So um, our for-profit entity, we're a blockchain as a service software. So our district, we sell our distributed. We're B to B to C. So we sell our distributed app um, software to healthcare organizations um, based on what we discussed. You know to to help them reduce cost. Um, and then for consumers, you know, it's similar to like a Dropbox. So you, you pay for any data that you essentially want to store for life. Okay. All right. So there's two kind of revenue streams that you're expecting. Correct. Got it. Um, has Have you validated that in any way or kind of talked to people who said that's a acceptable or interesting yeah i mean it doesn't it's not different than you know a lot of the healthcare vendors that are out there today um so we are competitive in that it it only the only difference is that we're providing a you know distributed um software that does not run on their centralized databases i see yeah i know a lot of um traditional business strategies that we've learned in business school. I also went to business school. They've kind of, they're, you know, we need to reevaluate how we um, create business strategies for blockchain companies, at least in my opinion. So, you know, how are blockchain companies changing the way that we pursue strategies in business these days? How? Oh, I mean, and I've, I've come across a lot of, you know, your typical, MBA grads who are like, this doesn't make sense. Like, what is this? And Where it's, are the it's, five forces, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, four is five forces, everything. You know, it's, and I think with blockchain, you really have to step outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because it's, you know, the premise of blockchain is based on network effects. So it's not going to be your typical, you know, balance and, and you know, profit sheet. Um, in, in creating that, that people are like, well, how do we, how can we get paid for this? And I think this is where also a lot of the tech companies we see today are struggling to actually, you know, be profitable and, you know, come up with a business model. If you look like Twitter, you know, Facebook, they all just go to advertising. Right. But I think with blockchain, it just it's underlying technology, it unlocks so much potential in, in how, you know, we can monetize, especially data. In going back to the patient, you know, I'm creating this data, I should be able to make money off of it. Um, and we see it with, you know, the successful tech startups like Uber, where it's like, I can download this app and start making money by driving my car. It's, it's as simple as that, you know? So it's really, you know, disrupting, um, you know, traditional, I think, companies and, and who, who are the stakeholders, how, the, how you can make money, um, but also how you can empower individuals to make money as well. Hmm. Interesting. Have you pivoted at all uh, during or since the inception of your project? company we have not actually i haven't the only pivot we've made was the change in our logo <laughs> because <laughs> we were red the red cross was like no we aren't having it um so we made a change in our logo. wow the red cross came actually that's that's good i guess that's good publicity so with the patientory network comes this token what would you say the utility of the token is it's it regulates storage so act you know access to our token gives you access to our network um that's the you know the premise of of the token um and then we go into you know more deeper applications you know it's verification smart contracts sort of like what ethereum so like the fuel for the network and doing different processing so it's really regulating the network and the activities that happen within that closed environment. So are your tokens mined as well by the health systems and uh, nodes? Okay. So there's a set number of tokens that exist yeah. and that doesn't change. Are they burned for any reason? Are they like um, discarded or how does that work? And they, they are, unless they get, the only way they would get burned is if, you know, they're lost. Okay. <laughs> No, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, going back into the regulation environment and talking about that, and I know that you know patientory is HIPAA compliant, which is great. And um, you know, you also require all your cloud storage providers, quote unquote, business associates, to also be compliant. Um, how has that conversation been with? hospitals and how have you explained to them how because you know when people hear blockchain they immediately think or sometimes people think that you know this might be out in the public we don't want to have patient data out in, in, in a transparent network how do you talk to them about that yeah it, that's one of the most difficult conversations i had someone today ask me you know what if our internet goes down Will the doctors have to fetch the private keys from outside the network, et cetera? And I'm just like, no, you're thinking about it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Because I'm but sure yeah. like a lot of my uh, audience members are also they they're probably thinking about it wrong too. And <laughs> you know, it's not a you know, it doesn't click right away. It takes time, and you have to really kind of dig into it. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's an education process. Um, even with the lawyers that I work with, you know, it took them a while to get it as well. Um, but I think it's it's really breaking it down where from architectural layer, from what we found out, um, just explaining those processes and risks um, that, that may occur. And you realize that blockchain is really, you know, blockchain was created, or I would say HIPAA was created for blockchain, <laughs> if, you, if you use it right. Right, if you use it right. So can you explain a little bit about how your company uses it or how other companies use it or what's like the... Um accepted use right now in the industry well yeah i've been tracking other companies i don't that's a great question because everyone is has their own take on what blockchain and healthcare means um and from hipaa it's it's protecting you know it's created to protect um, the privacy and data for um patients for us it's because we work with HIPAA compliant servers, it's just, you know, a checkbox for us where we don't really have to delve into it. Um, we are HIPAA compliant, but it's like, are we a real BAA, business associate? Um, I see. That's the advantage we have over, you know, other companies that are looking at it how else are you differentiating yourself from the other startups doing kind of similar things with their own personal health record systems and apps? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 getting pretty crowded. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I uh, There's a really cool database that I found. There's like 150 healthcare blockchain companies out there now, all wow. doing, you know, kind of slightly different things. Um, it's probably like a a dozen or two doing similar things to what your patientory is doing. Um, so how do you differentiate yourself other than what you said earlier about HIPAA? No, I think it's it's again based on our value. You know, we're what we value as a company, based on you know why we started the company, and we're in it to to really go above and beyond for for the patients. So. You know, and everything we roll out is, you know, we test our, our, you know, our users using it. How can we increase usage, et cetera? So I think that's a big differentiation. While not thinking too much about, you know, stakeholders, I know a lot of people are doing supply chain management. You know, they're really focused on, okay, how are we making money <laughs> from, you know, and I think hard problems. Solving hard problems is not about how do we make money, right? It's really boiling down to, you know, how does how is my user going to use this on a daily basis? If you look at the the phone, the, the Apple, you know, when it compared to their competitors, you know, it boils down to user efficacy and, and um, user experience. So that's where we're really focused on right now. I agree. Also, I would say uh, incentives too. Like, how do you initially get them on the network? That's uh, that's huge. I think, and I know Uber did a great job with that. I know it's not a blockchain company, but Uber's 
you know, refer a friend and you'll get 20 bucks. Really effective, very effective uh, promotional tactic. So, yeah. That was awesome. That was genius. It's just not that simple. Yeah, I got many free rides out of that. I really appreciated it. (laughs) Even though I had to wait a lot longer than I do now, but still, it was worth it. Yeah, looking back at it, I was when I first was introduced to Uber, I was like, I would never do that. Like, I feel safer in a taxi, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, I'm going to go in a stranger's car. But now I wouldn't even think twice about taking a taxi. It's just like Uber. Or an Uber, yeah. <laughs> um, so Patient Tour was, again, one of the first healthcare blockchain companies started in 2015. Did the early start help you stay ahead of the other competitors doing similar projects? Or do you think... You know, they're all kind of behind but close by. Yeah, I think the latter. It's interesting. I We were talking to this organization, and they're like, oh, you guys are, like, the most far ahead. I don't know if it was because we started earlier or we just see the, the big picture. Um, I don't know if it's a chicken or an egg thing. But I think in starting early, we definitely – had the odds against us. So we really had to be creative. <laughs> For sure. And that, that was some battle scars that kind of helped us, you know, stay sharp. Can you, uh, so what are some of the, what are some of the initiatives of the Patient Tory Association? And how is it separate from the Patient Tory Company? Yeah, so, you know, again, because we were so pretty early, we saw in the space, healthcare is not an innovative industry. Um, they're still using faxes, <laughs> you can't imagine, um, even beepers. So thinking beyond blockchain, you know, we felt as if we needed to create more of like a, an organization that can help healthcare organizations really innovate and adopt innovative technologies and do that in a, you know, a consortia environment. So right now, I mean, there are a lot of healthcare nonprofits, but I don't see anywhere you have, you know, your provider group working hand in hand with your payer or pharma group, you know, on different business models and, and ways they can actually um, collaborate and make money together. Hmm. So is that run by you and your team as well, or is it a separate entity? I mean, it is a separate entity, but... It's a um, separate entity. Yeah. And who um, kind of manages operations or communications... So right now we're building that team. Uh, we currently it's run by our ambassador network. Okay. They're like the feet on the ground and being able to bring those members to the fold. Um, eventually, it would have like a membership, you know, director, etc., who can who are, who who really try. But it's it's run by the members, um, and they appoint that that person, you know. So we, we definitely want to see more case studies, you know, journal, you know, manuscripts come out of that. That's pretty cool. So how can one become an ambassador? Yeah, you can go to our www.pitoy.org and click the link. I want to be an ambassador and submit your information. So your resume, 
Um, and I think it's a paragraph on why you feel you want you qualify as an ambassador. How do you manage your community? Yeah, it's it's tough. We especially when you have like ten communities from Slack to Telegram, Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> you name it. Right. Um, so we try to we, where we've been playing with automation, so which is pretty funny because everything that's posted on one network it just gets blasted to every other network. Um, but we do our team. You know we. We get responses and we reply, you know, within you know that that day. So we and we, we have our our monthly newsletter, so our community can look forward to those updates as well. Because that's that's the biggest part in you know growing a, a community and a project, um, especially in the bear market. It's you know it, <laughs> during a bear market, you know, it gets pretty quiet. Or you see other communities that are like, oh no, you know, they're like, I'm going to be living in a you know, under a bridge, what's going on with the market. <laughs> but yeah, the, you, you see that the communities are really geared towards the crypto side of things. Um, so our goal is how can we create, how can we shift our community from that crypto to, oh my gosh, I'm part of Patientory, which is this healthcare app where like I'm connecting with people who share the same healthcare values as me. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the industry partners of the future and how that will happen you know as the enterprise uh, version comes out but in terms of just the beta project and you know the traction you're getting now like um how's it going like how are you feeling are you getting a lot of feedback from users we did we, we released a, a beta user case study at first we released it this summer with really our internal network just a couple, it was around like, I guess 50 people. Um, so we did a case study about that that's available on our website and our social media. Um, and I think we just sent out a newsletter today, actually. So we anticipate to receive more users as we roll out more features. And we definitely want to hear back from people as to what they want to see um, in an app like Bitcoin. Got it. And you know, with this shift in healthcare from procedure-based care, where every procedure is you know, treated as a you know, fee-for-service kind of event, uh, to this holistic care for the individual, how can patientory assist with this holistic care for the patient? Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, to start with holistic care, you have to know who you are, who the patient is. Um, and the most factual piece of information we have is the data that they generate. And it's not only from, you know, physician-entered data, which we see in the EMR, but if you look at this new thing now, it's not new, but it's it's now a buzzword in the space, you know, social determinants of health. So looking at... By know, the way, I had a, my episode 20, uh, I did with Yuhan Sonin, who actually designed the social de- uh, the determinants of health graph that's oh, cool. pretty popular it's like a yeah. yeah you should check that out everybody episode 20 <laughs> Great. sorry to interrupt go ahead no no so you know back to it no it's it's looking at these different aspects of a, of a person and that's you know their mental health their you know background their 
their, their environment, genetics, genetic information. Right. So I think that is what we're all trying to push towards. You know, how can mm-hmm. we create, you know, this concept of the whole person to really give an accurate um, reading of, of, you know, how healthy you, you may be. And, you know, using a lot of these technologies to predict even, you know, am I high risk for, for certain illnesses, you know, as I age and, and grow? So, and genetics is going to be a big part of that. Absolutely. So, again, it, it's really reliant on, on data. Hmm. Very cool. Thank you. Uh, so, I noticed uh, in the Journal of the British blockchain association which is you know one of i think it's a great publication i'm really happy that it exists and recently published its second issue and patient tory actually sponsored and they were were on the cover page uh which is a pretty good honor um but you know according to their site a front page sponsorship is like about you know ten thousand british pounds that's like twelve thousand dollars do you feel that this money spent on awareness of patientory is critical to your success? Um, it's much, for us, I don't think that's critical to success. I think for us, it was, um, what do you call it? More edu- market education. So the association is a 501c6 nonprofit organization. That's geared, again, our mission is to innovate and help healthcare organizations, educate healthcare organizations on how to effectively adopt, you know, emerging technologies and innovation. So I think that that's one of the missions um, it, the, the association is geared towards is education. Um, and whether that's partnering with, you know, academic journals, um, we they host a conference as well, so we had our inaugural blockchain and healthcare summit um, on in May, and we had a bunch of sponsors for that. So the goal of that is to be able to, you know, gain sponsorships from organizations to be able to create more content, education, awareness, which can help organizations learn um, and adopt these technologies. So one of the feedback we got from that was, you know, one of the chairmans for the NHS Trust in, in, in London for, uh, you know, one of the largest health healthcare um, hospitals in the, in the country of, of England didn't know what blockchain was. And he was like, how much does it cost to, for this software to manage patient data? So you kind of see why, you know, journals and publications like that are necessary. Um, If it's not too personal, what would you consider to be your biggest mistake during this, um, the last, you know, three, three, four years? Huh, that's a great question. And I've I've gotten asked this question too. And I always say I don't I don't regret anything at all. Um, biggest mistake I would say is 
listening to lawyers. <laughs> listening to lawyers. Interesting. Okay. That's interesting. Putting <laughs> um, put put more trust in, you know, a legal team um, than necessary. Because I've heard this before, too. Face like this, it's like, that's the thing to do. You don't want to, you know, break any laws or anything like that. Um, and just wait and just wait in longer. So I think, you know, just, and I'm, I'm a definitely a patient person. Um, but in certain areas of the business, I think I could have practiced more patience, if that makes sense. You mean like you had a decision to make and maybe rush through it a little bit or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Or just. Exactly. Interesting. Uh, do you have like a a business leader or a scientist or researcher that you've always kind of admired as a person? Great question. Yes, I am in awe of Tesla. So I love the story of Tesla. Nikola Tesla. Yeah, yeah. He's like, one of a, my favorites as well. <laughs> my like idol. <laughs> I, I could understand, you know, he, he has done a lot for society, probably. Um, a, lot, a lot that we don't even know about. I mean, right, right. It's true. Fingers of this time. Hmm. What are you most excited about for 2019? Adoption. <laughs> adoption. Okay. Crypto adoption in general or um, healthcare and crypto? Yeah, healthcare and I would like to see healthcare fully adopt crypto. Everyone is like, crypto is bad. You know, that's like because of just the stigma of what has happened in the past with crypto. But I even think crypto has the potential to unlock, you know, a lot of these problems we've been, dis- we've been discussing from, you know, payments, you know, processing, new business models. While blockchain is the underlying technology, I think, you know, crypto really has the power to to disrupt and make things pretty much easier. And make it more peer-to-peer so, you know, yeah. you can cut out all the middlemen. But no one likes, I don't know, no one likes crypto. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, Other than the crypto enthusiasts. It's easy to not like what you don't understand. Exactly. I mean, healthcare, they're like, what? But you have to admit the healthcare industry is really embedded. I know it's a cur- the current infrastructure is really embedded in our system, so it's hard to just change it over a few years. And it's going to take a lot of time. And unfortunately, I don't think 2019 is going to be like the year of full adoption. But I think we'll start to see more pilots, and we'll start exactly. to see more acceptance and education. So yeah, more well, people open enough to it, you know. Um, and you asked, you know, earlier. In our talk, you asked about, you know, how did people react to blockchain? And I was like, they didn't because I didn't really talk about it. <laughs> yeah, probably they a got move. the concept of what I was doing. But, you know, as when we go through that due diligence and get in a pilot, you know, and we talk about HIPAA, they're like, I've never seen this before. You know, mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the hurdles come in. So definitely, you know, new policies, regulations have to be written. 
we just finished final, we just finalized um, with ENAC um, accreditation and, you know. What's ENAC? It's ENAC. Mm-hmm. So it is the Electronic Healthcare Network Accreditation Commission. And, and it's a government governance standards development organization, um, which they develop standards and criteria and criteria um, and accredit like different organizations that electronically exchange healthcare data. Um, so you you know this past year you kind of see the, the groundwork being laid. Like we were working with ENAC, um, you know HIMS. So it's a lot of heavy lifting. Well, I know that you recently became, or you joined the Blockchain and Healthcare Task Force at HIMSS, so congratulations. Um, yeah, no, we, I was actually, I think it was around five, one of the first five members that created the work group last year for HIMSS, um, and I chaired the Tiger team, and then we became a task force this year. So we definitely see, you know, progress, but 2017, nothing existed. We were just plants and seeds. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, considering everything all else, and it's, you know, you're moving pretty quickly and still running a company, so you are a busy exactly. woman. Like, I'm a part of like 10 different companies. <laughs> right, no, it's, I'm sure it's challenging and, um, you know, you don't have a lot of free time. So um, I have like just one final question about like your roadmap and what you're expecting to do in 2019 and beyond. And then if you have anything else you want to share with the audience, please feel free. Okay. For 2019. So we have two separate roadmaps. One for the, of course, the nonprofit organization, the association. And the other on ptoy.org slash roadmap and the other for, you know, Patient Tory Inc., the private organization. Um, Where the two collide is, you know, it's really, 2019 is really focused on, you know, what we've discussed prior, the different use cases. for blockchain adoption in the industry and how that looks both on the network level and from you know our business model, um, what that looks like in providing value for an ROI for these organizations. Uh, as well as expanding outwards. So one of our you know goals is to really look at you know how we can create a network that also is interoperable with other blockchain networks out there. Yeah, I know people are working on that as well. One uh, company I'm familiar with is uh, BlockNet, and they're trying to be the kind of the interoperable interoperability blockchain. So, yeah. and so is Cardano, right? Cardano's absolutely them too. Um, is there anything else you want to leave with the audience? I know I think you're hiring. We are hiring. Um, we're looking for, you know, more marketing support. Um, so if you love marketing, you love healthcare, um, feel free to, to shoot your resume to careers at patientory.com. We're also looking for, you know, always looking for developers, smart developers who are passionate about blockchain and how it can disrupt an industry like healthcare. Um, and business development, products so definitely looking to expand um, as we you know grow in the next year 
And of course, always download our app. We integrate with Fitbit. So if you have a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, um, you can start using that. Excellent. Well, Krista, it's been a pleasure. Seriously, um, thank you so much for getting on the show. I know you're super busy and um, would love to have you back one day. So best of luck to you. And thank, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, Ray. Hey, y'all, you cyberpunk health warriors and nimble digital disruptors. Check out healthunchained.org. And remember to subscribe to Health Unchained on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. Join the Health Unchained community on our Telegram group, t.me slash healthunchained. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends, your bosses, your teams, your students to listen and subscribe. Thank you.